Hey friends, before we begin the message today, I just wanted to do a quick call to prayer. The week has been a really difficult one, a very dark one, as we've seen events unfold in Washington, D.C. that were horrific for everybody. It's been terrible. And I am reminded uh, this past week of a scripture that's in Philippians, as Paul wrote to the early church reminding them that their citizenship is in heaven and we look to Jesus Christ, our Savior, to be our hope. We don't look to earthly uh, solutions. And in this time, uh, we do realize that we we need more than earthly solutions. We really do need God. And so please join me in this prayer as we pray for the church and for this nation and this world that we're living in. We look to God to be our help. Father in heaven, we ask that you root out violence, chaos, corruption, hatred in all of its ugly forms against different races and classes. You warn us that the conflict is not against fellow humans, but against darker spiritual forces. So together we pray against those forces and ask you to bring your light, your peace, your justice, and your salvation. We put our trust in you to deliver us, and we ask you to help us to be strong, to stand up for faith, hope, and love in the manner that you taught us. So may your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, and thanks for joining the Access Online Worship Gathering. Happy New Year, happy 2021. I'm so glad that you could join us. Today I'm excited because I get to bring to you the new preaching theme for 2021. Every year at Access, uh, over the course of January, we introduce a new preaching theme that guides our thoughts and all the messages that we do for the year. And this year, our theme is Fall Afresh, Faith for a New Day. Fall Afresh, Faith for a New Day. Now, wherever you might be listening to this message, whether it's through your phone or computer or TV, I invite you just to say this along with me. Let's say our theme together. Fall afresh, faith for a new day. This theme for 2021 is all about the Holy Spirit and learning to respond to the promptings, the nudges, the the urgings of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, for everyone who follows after Jesus. We're going to be taking some time to learn about what it means to, to walk by the Holy Spirit and to have this sense of renewal in our lives. And this is especially important, all the more so in this time for us, because not only are we really entering a new year, we have entered a new age. The pandemic has changed our lives forever. It has permanently changed the way that we do things. We all thought this was going to be temporary. I certainly did. But over the course of the year, as it has worn on, Our lives have shifted and changed, and we've done things differently. And all the more, I am convinced that we as a people of God need to learn to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, learning to respond well by faith to what God is urging us to do in this time and in this place. So the way that we're going to work today is I'd like to talk through two passages of Scripture 
The first is an introduction to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the day the Holy Spirit came upon the early church, the day known as Pentecost. And then I'd like to introduce our theme verse for 2021. Following that uh, short scripture study, then I'd like to talk about two important questions. Who is the Holy Spirit and why is fall afresh important for us today? So let's begin with our central passage for today. Let's take a closer look at the day known as Pentecost. Now, we just celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the day when God sent his son to dwell among us, his fallen creation. But the climax of Jesus's ministry happened much later in his life when he went to the cross to deal with sin and death. He came to teach us the way back to God, and then he went to the cross to take care of something that we couldn't take care of by ourselves. The Jewish leaders uh, put him through an unjust trial. The Romans condemned him to death, and he was crucified on a cross. But it was through this act that God was actually working out a much bigger plan. He was dealing with these ultimate problems for humanity and for all of creation. On the third day, after Jesus was crucified, God raised him from the dead, signaling that sin had indeed been taken care of, that death was no longer the final answer, and that he was launching his new creation. The offer of God was this and is this today, that anyone who puts their trust their faith in Jesus Christ can be part of God's new creation. They are renewed from the inside out, and they join in God's new creation work for all of creation. So, this is the context for how we are to understand Pentecost. Now, before Jesus launched his people, his church, to go out and change the world, he told them specifically to wait to wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They were to wait in Jerusalem for something mysterious to happen to them. And in Acts chapter 2, we get uh, a rundown of the story. So let's turn there together today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of, the, of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. 
amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. As mentioned, this is the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the early church, the empowerment that came to the people of God on a day known as Pentecost. I'd like to point out three observations about this passage that are pretty important for us to to notice. The first thing is this, that the church is empowered at this point to do what they couldn't do by themselves. The church is empowered to do what they couldn't do by themselves. When the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, all of a sudden they were filled with a sense of empowerment to speak the praises of God in languages that they didn't know previously. And all around them, suddenly people could hear the praise of God and were intrigued. They were amazed and they were connected to them because this barrier of language was suddenly crossed. This was a power that was not available to them before, but all of a sudden, through the Holy Spirit, they could do more and live more powerfully than they ever did before. Now, Acts chapter 2 describes the power of tongues, but throughout the book of Acts, we see the people of God being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do all kinds of works, including speaking the gospel boldly to the very people who killed Jesus, to heal those who are sick or infirm, to give prophetic words and utterances. The people of God were empowered to do more than they were able to do by themselves because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The second observation I would like to make is regarding the response. The people around them responded in two different ways. First of all, they were amazed and perplexed. Some of them, as they heard the praise of God, they were intrigued, and their spiritual curiosity was piqued. They wanted to know more, and they came and they listened. At the end of chapter 2 of Acts, thousands of them came to faith and joined the church. But it's also important to realize here, at the end of the passage that we just read, that there were also those who just completely dismissed and rejected the early church. They're just a bunch of drunken idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. Pay them no attention. So you have both kind of responses. And I think it's really important to pay attention to this observation because, especially in the contemporary church today, there are a fair number of us who look to the world for validation and acceptance. We look to the people of this world and this culture to give us that sort of thumbs up for what we're doing. But it's important, and we would do well to remember, that the people of God in the early church were also rejected when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the same as what happened to Jesus when he was filled with the Spirit, but was ultimately condemned to die on the cross. Now, the third observation is this. The work of God is a partnership that includes our actions alongside of His. The work of God is a partnership that includes our actions alongside of His. This is a mystery that is 
deeply woven into the spiritual life. That God, in his great wisdom and his power, could work things out on his own without our involvement. But he chooses to, time and time again, to use frail and broken and sinful people like you and like me to accomplish his greater plan and his purposes. So immediately after this gifting of tongues, the Apostle Peter gets up and declares the first sermon. He boldly talks about sin and the gospel and about Jesus being raised again, and thousands of people come to faith in that moment and join the church. This is the same Peter that just a few weeks earlier had denied that he knew Jesus because he was afraid for his own life. But here in Acts, we see him transformed. Later on in the book of Acts, a guy named Saul, who is a persecutor of the church, who condemns Christians to death and is responsible for, for the death of many Christians, has a conversion moment. He becomes an ardent follower of Jesus, and he brings the word of life to people who are far from the kingdom of God. God chooses the foolish God chooses the hater. He chooses them and uses them, and he partners with them to bring about a greater glory. And that gives me a lot of hope, because I know that I'm frail, I know that I'm far from perfect, and I know that I need God. And God is more than gracious enough to work through my frailties. Now, today again is an introduction, so these observations about Acts chapter 2 are simply that. They're observations, and we're going to get into these points a lot more deeply in the weeks and the months to come in 2021. But at this point, I want to introduce our theme verse for the year. Our theme verse can be found in Paul's letter to Timothy, who is the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And he reminds him of the spirit that dwells within him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I'd like to read that one more time. And if you could join me again in reading this, because it's our theme verse, wherever you might be listening today, read this out loud with me. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The empowerment of the spirit wasn't just a one-off event that happened to the early church that gave them a unique gifting. It was an ongoing expectation. And that's why Paul wrote to Timothy, tap into the Holy Spirit. You need the spirit to lead the church. And it is the same Holy Spirit that we need today. It is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people that empowers us to be and to do more than we can think or imagine on our own. This is what we are focused on for this year. Fall Fresh is a prayer asking God to take His place in our souls, in our being, and to move us to become the people that we are called to be. Now, before I get ahead of myself, uh, I want to really take 
time today to really get our foundation set so that we can begin talking about this in the weeks to come. For the rest of January, we'll be unpacking 2 Timothy verse uh, chapter 1, verse 7. But today, I want to answer two more important questions uh, that have to do with our theme and why we're focusing on this. Who is the Holy Spirit and why is fall, fall afresh important for us today? Christians have long understood that God exists in three persons. Our God is a Trinitarian God. Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three are God. One God. If this is difficult to understand and grasp, that's totally okay. After all, what we're trying to do is wrap our finite minds around an infinite God and his existence. It's very complicated. And I know that there are quite a number of people at Access who are newer to the faith who are just exploring the faith. And so it's important for us to take some time to explain some of these concepts. Now, when my kids were much younger, when they were preschoolers, they used to ask some amazing questions about the sun and the moon, about the day and the night. And I loved their curiosity and their wonder, and I would try to explain some things to them about the mysteries of this world. And I wanted to keep that sense of mystery alive with them. I tried to explain how uh, the earth was a globe and how we rotated it around the sun and the sun could only hit part of the globe at a time. So technically the sun wasn't <laughs> going down, it was just shining on another part of the earth. That usually went over their heads and they preferred mom's answers to these questions which were much more oriented around practical considerations like just get to bed. Um, but the whole idea of preserving that sense of mystery was important. Now they're in high school, they understand these things, it's all fine. But here's the point I'm trying to make. When we're trying to talk about God and his nature being three and being one, we're touching upon some greater mysteries of God. God reveals a lot to us in his scripture. So we learn a lot about things and there are many things that we can really understand and take to heart. Uh, when, we when we're speaking about the kingdom of God, when Jesus talks about loving God and loving neighbor, yes, we can fully embrace these things, um, but there's also a sense of mystery when it comes to the ultimate nature of God being three and one. Now, what I'd like to try and do today is explain some of these things through two, um, through two means, one through geometry and one through the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. So, first, geometry. And I know some of you may be groaning when you hear the word geometry. I, for one, love geometry as a student. So um, these insights come from a Christian thinker named Hugh Ross, who helps us to imagine what the Trinity is like. So imagine for a second people who live in a two-dimensional world. The world of two dimensions is a world of triangles and squares and circles. They're flat, like a flat piece of paper. A three-dimensional world is the world of spheres, of pyramids, of cubes. They exist in three uh, dimensions. Now imagine what would happen to people living in a two-dimensional world when a three-dimensional object, uh, three object uh, passes through that world, like a sphere. 
First, what would they see? They would see a point as the sphere contacted that plane. Then as it passed through, they would see a, an ever-widening circle, and then it would decrease back to a point and disappear. It would be hard for them, living in that two-dimensional world, to imagine what a sphere actually was if all they saw was that point and some circles, right? Now, imagine a more complicated three-dimensional object like my hand. If I stuck my hand with three fingers into a two-dimensional plane, what would people in a two-dimensional world experience? They would see three circles. People in a three-dimensional world would know that this is one object, my hand, but passing through a two-dimensional world, they would see three distinct circles. Now, if, my, if I stuck my hand further in, a cross-section of my wrist would appear as an oval, right? So why this geometry lesson today? It helps us to imagine that three can be one and one can be three and still the same thing. When it comes to scripture, we're given these different insights about God. And Jesus tells us that he is one with the Father. Well, what does that mean? What does this oneness, uh, what is this oneness made out of? And how does it function and how does it work? Jesus' words give us clue to a greater reality of the Trinity, that he and the Father are one, and yet they are distinct as Father and Son. Jesus also gives us this insight in how he teaches us to baptize people. When he says to baptize people, he says, do this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's giving them some equal weight, equal footing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I hope that an analogy today made at least some sense and helps helps you consider some possibilities. Now, the second way I want to explain who the Holy Spirit is, is through a passage in Ezekiel. Now, there are a number of different Old Testament passages that refer to God one day coming as the Holy Spirit and empowering his people. Books like Isaiah and Joel talk about this, and today's reference comes from Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 25 to 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I love the imagery in this prophetic word from God. And it promises that one day that God would send his spirit to empower his people to do something that they couldn't do on their own. He would move them to live this new kind of life. And he would do this by removing from them a heart of stone and installing in them a heart of flesh. This has resonances with the other new teachings in the New Testament teachings about God making a new humanity. 
But it is through our realized and full humanity that we're becoming who God designed us to be all along. And this all happens through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who moves us and takes away our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And this leads us to our final question. Why is fall afresh an important theme for us to hold on to today? Why is it an important theme for us in our church today? You know, at the beginning of 2020, when the pandemic hit, uh, I did not think it was going to last as long. I don't think many of us thought it was going to be such a long, drawn-out problem. I didn't think I would be having to look for my mask every turn uh, and having to drive out and (laughs) drive back home again because I forgot to wear my mask. I didn't think that this world would be exploding so violently over race, over politics, and looking at the news this past week and watching things unfold in Washington, D.C. Boy, I've been so discouraged over things. I didn't think the world would be falling apart as it has been with the fires and the hurricanes that we experienced in 2020. It feels so much like the world is falling apart and it is a disaster that we're living through. Uh, The Gallup poll did a 2020 uh, survey and they have found that the levels of mental health, the numbers that they have indicated, are the lowest that it's been in 20 years. In other words, uh, Americans are more depressed, more anxious, uh, more lonely and isolated and feeling bad about it than they have been in a very long time. I know many of us feel that way too. So Fall Afresh is all about calling upon God for renewal. It's a prayer asking God, God, please come renew this heart, renew this person. Help me to be a voice of hope again in a hopeless world. Help me to bring love to those who are deeply embroiled in hatred. Help me to bring a sense of peace to those who are in conflict. God, help me to bring your kingdom to the places that are so hurting and broken right now. So as we wrap up, I'd like to offer us our theme verse again, but rewritten slightly so that it's personalized. There's uh, times when we need, there will be times when we need to recite this as a whole, as a church. But for today, for this introduction, I want to personalize these words. Would you say them with me and repeat them three times as we conclude the message? For the spirit God gave me does not make me timid, but gives me power, love, and self-discipline. For the spirit God gave me does not make me timid, but gives me power, love, and self-discipline. And one more time. For the spirit God gave me does not make me timid, but gives me power, love, and self-discipline. Amen. And now, church, let's recite our sending prayer together today. Loving God, through all our years, 
Let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen.